Good morning. And welcome to church. We're going to start out a little different today. We're going to do a very uh, short opening prayer, but we're going to sing it. So, so if you will all stand with me, we're going to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly if you want. Sit down. You can stand up. You can come to the front, and you can lay down if you want. Whatever uh, posture helps you best to worship the Lord.
just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you no matter how much the cost. I freely give it all to you, all to you. I just want to Jesus, we want to bless you. We want to see the sparkle in your eyes. We want you to smile. And we want to hear your voice when we ask you. And I encourage all my brothers and sisters here today to ask. Take a minute. And ask, Jesus, what moves your heart? Holy Spirit, stir us up. May we be all about you all the time. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, who are, who are visiting, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so grateful that you are joining us. I know that over the last several weeks, we've had a number of people who have been coming to Lighthouse for the first time. And so I just wanted to let you know we are grateful you're here. A little bit later, when there's an offering, we don't ask anything from you. All we, or we don't want you to put any money in unless you really feel led. Instead, what I would love you to do is just let us know that you're here. This is the best thing that you can give us because then we can follow up with you and let you know how to take your next steps of getting connected to Lighthouse, finding a life group, finding out what's going on, how we can support you. And if you have questions, and my guess is there might be some questions today, you can write them here. If you have prayer requests, this would be the place you can put them down. And there are some of you, I know that we've had several people who have given their hearts to Christ for the first time over the last several weeks. If you would like to take the next step and publicly declare your decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart and you want to get baptized, we're planning on doing baptism over Easter, which is like a month away. And so if you would like to explore the opportunity to get baptized, you can just let us know here and we will follow up with you. Secondly, and I should have done this last week because they gave me these keys last week, if you have a Prius with a beautiful heart and you've been missing your heart and, and your, your, your knife that you brought to church, which is excellent, um, I've got it, so let me know what color it is so I know what I'm driving home today. Um, and then finally, uh, we have been taking a slow road through the book of Revelation. So if you're new to Lighthouse and this is your first weekend, you're in for a treat because we have taken nine weeks to slowly work through five chapters. Today in 45 minutes, we are going to get, go through 13 chapters through the center of Revelation. If Revelation were an Oreo cookie, we have come to the cream center and today... Rather than just trying to take a little slice off of the side and trying to make sense of that, we have decided to do something a little unorthodox. 
we are going to do an airplane view of the entire center of Revelation. And it's, it's a section that has caused a lot of fear. It is a section that has caused a lot of consternation and di disagreement and division. And we recognize that 45 minutes to try to overview 13 chapters is not nearly enough. But what this does is it gives us, it's almost like you'd come to the theater and before the movie starts playing, there is a trailer. And in that trailer, you begin to see some highlights of what is to come. For some of you, this is going to whet your appetite. and You're going to say, I want more of that. That was not nearly enough. And if that's the case then the follow-up to today would be to come on Wednesday nights because starting this Wednesday and moving forward, Pastor Bill is going to slowly unpack each chapter and dig deeper. And the beautiful part of that is because it's a Wednesday night, we have the space to interact and engage, and you can ask your questions real time. And so it'll actually help us go far deeper into this section for those who choose to opt in. And, and, and if you can't make it, because maybe you're watching from home and you're not able to be here on Wednesday nights, it will also be live streamed so you can watch it from home. But right now, we just want to give you an airplane's view of the center of Revelation so you can get an idea of how it all fits together. And so with no more introduction, I'm going to invite Pastor Bill to come up here. Because he said his time doesn't start until I get off the stage. That's so. right. He took my minutes. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. And as Eric just said, we're going to, I have a ring up here, guys, so I'm hoping you can address that and fix it. But um, yeah, we're going to be looking at, at this as an overall thing. Now, after when today is over, if you have these notebooks and you're going to be a part of the study at the end of today's thing, we will. Paula and Ken uh, Conkle will be in the back and they have, I have actually completed all 13 of the outlines for the next uh, 13 chapters. They will be available at the end of the service in case you're wondering. I wanted to get that out of the way. So let's dive into this is the part of Revelation which is actually called the Apocalypse of the Apocalypse. Apocalyptic writing is a special writing, way of writing all in itself. There are several, several hundreds of um, writings that are considered apocalypses where they use um, a whole lot of imagery, different symbols, different ways of speaking. And so in that, in that time, we're going to spend today, I'm going to hit it and then we're going to get it running. If you're going to try to take notes, good luck with that. Let me know if you get it all. That would be interesting to see. I want to hire you. So because we, we will have to go rather quickly. So we're going to just dive right in. Let's start and we're going to do a quick look at first thing is Revelation 6 because um, that's where we're going to start. We're going to go 6 through 18 today. So let's go ahead and look at Revelation 6, which actually begins in the first verse of chapter 5, because the first verse in chapter 5 says, In the right hand of him who is seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now that is actually the introduction to all of the scroll with all of the seven seals. Because in this chapter, we're going to be exploring those seven seals. We actually will see six of the seven seals in chapter six. We'll be explaining each one of those seals and breaking them down. And, and as we do that, you're going to find out that we're going to talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse as well as what each of their writers represent. Okay, let's go to the next slide. See, that's how fast we're going to be going through this. Chapter seven, this is called the interlude. This is two scenes in one chapter. 
And these two scenes are very, very unique because the first scene starts with the verse one. It says, then I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding back the winds of the earth that no one, that no wind might harm the earth or trees or the sea. Let's go to the next slide, because then the second half of the interlude, and what, there's a reason we call it the interlude, I will be speaking on that on one of the following Wednesdays. I would love to tell you that each week there's going to be a full chapter, however, trying to get through a whole lot of apocalyptic reading in one week is going to be difficult. We'll see how we do, we'll see how it goes um, each week. Um, this is the second part of a chapter of Revelation 7. This is this part two of the scenes. An angel who came from the rising of the sun proclaimed in a loud voice, do not harm the earth or trees or the sea. I spelt sea. I hope you spelled sea, right? I spelt it wrong. Yeah, good. Until we have sealed the servants of our God. And then I heard, John says, and then I heard the number of the seal to be 144,000. An interesting number because it comes up a lot in this. And we're going to see in this chapter, you'll see a whole lot of how God's timing, he, his timing shows for all of his plans, and he does everything according to his time and purpose, many times not according to ours. Amen. Yeah, we wish he would do it according to ours, but yeah, it's for some reason he has his plan and mine is not always the same. Let's go to Revelation 8. Next slide. When the seventh seal was opened, there was complete silence in heaven for about a half an hour or 30 minutes. A very interesting time in heaven, and we'll be opening and discussing that, and that could take a little bit of time on Wednesday nights. Um, then the next part of that says the angel with the censer. A censer is basically... A very um, interesting, I don't know what you call it, it's called a censer. It holds incense, and it can be this big, this big, different sizes. But as the angel, <laughs> the angel filled it with incense, got fire from the altar, and he threw it on the earth. Then four trumpets sounded to announce the first group of God's wrath. In this chapter, we're going to see the warning of the power of the next three trumpets because he will say those first four trumpets are there wait until you hear what happens after the next three trumpets let's go to the next slide the two angels two trumpets and the first woe there are several woes that we'll be discussing in the book of revelation and as we get through them we're going to be talking about each one and what they mean to us today because they are very relevant to everything that we're going through today the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven to earth. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. An interesting correlation in the fact that, guess what? Nothing happens without God's permission. They do not get to release anything. And then in verse 12 of that same chapter, it says, And the first woe has passed. Behold, there are two woes still to come in verse 12. An interesting correlation of the fact that every time that there is a woe that has passed, he announces it, but then he lets you know, just in case you were thinking that you were all done here, not quite, we still have some things to go through. <sighs> Isn't this fun? So, let's go to the next slide, please. I <laughs> hate. We're going to the Revelation 10. This, is a, this one is titled The Angel and the Small School. Very, very important small school. And I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a small cloud. 
with a rainbow over his head and his face like the sun and his legs were pillars of fire. The interesting part about once the angel gets and he gets described there, he puts one, land, one, one of his legs on the sea and one of his legs on the land. And that's very important because of his job in this chapter. We have to understand that each time that all of these things are mentioned and said and shown, this is what John sees, what he hears, and he writes down. This is not his interpretation of something. This is what God showed him, and he was told to see, look, behold. Every time you see the word behold, you will see that he wants you to look at something. He has hear something. He will describe what he sees and what he hears we want to talk mainly about all of the symbolism in apocalypses because in apocalyptic writing that's the key to understand how the people that were on the uh, on the mainland just i think it's like 32 miles away they they needed to understand what it meant for all of this all of these writings that that paul was writing down i mean john was writing down as john was writing this the people across the mainland they, were, they would be able to get this pretty easy. They would be able to figure it out. For us, it takes a little bit longer because of the fact that we aren't in the first century. We're not used to reading all of the things that they did in that day. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Revelation 11. I was given a measuring rod and told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. Here's one of the problems with having all of this in your head for all of these weeks, is I want to talk about every one of them, and I know if I do, you guys won't go home until 4 o'clock, so I have to be careful and keep going. That's going to be very fun to go through, just so you know. There are two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. The two witnesses. Interesting, we're going to see how God can use whatever is necessary to make his message known. But not only that, to make his message clear. He wants it not just to be known, but he wants you to get it and pick it up. Now, let's go to the next slide. This one is the interesting one. Chapter 12. Chapter 12 has been um, noted as the axis of the axis axis the middle the turning point of the book of revelation and it says the woman and the dragon in revelation 12 and a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars i'm going to dive into chapter 12 at the end of this i'm trying to get all of the outlines done so that we can talk a little bit more about chapter 12 shortly so hold on to that one just a minute well, let's go to the next slide revelation 13 the first beast and i saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads and 10 diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads each one of those images and symbols means something very important to the message of this book. And we're going to get into that later on. Let's go to the next slide. John says this several times in the middle of this book, throughout after the end of several, several places. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. I know that this has been very popular in... Uh, media throughout as far as I can remember 
that this number scares a lot of people. It makes people nervous. It's a number that, that, that as people see it, they, they equate it with evil. They equate it with all kinds of different things. We're going to get to talk about this. On the night that we do chapter 13, we're going to get to actually show you how this works in, in Greek numerology of that day. Biblical numerology was different than the numerology that you see in the New Age movement of today. But, to, but in this number, there's something very significant, and we're going to talk about how that works. Even John recognizes, though, the part that, that's most important to me. Even John recognizes the need for wisdom and understanding in looking at this book of Scripture. His desire is for God's, to help God's people get the message as clear as possible. He wants us to know his heart. He wants us to know that in sharing this revelation, this unveiling, this opening up of the revelation of Jesus Christ to John, he wants people to see his heart and know that even with all of the troubles, the woes and the things that the devil is going to try to do to you, God is still there. And the cool part about the end of this book, God wins. <laughs> Amen? That's the good part. Because at the end, all of this stuff that we can read about and see and everything else, it, it always comes down to this. Those who have the mark of God on their foreheads. In other words, those who have the, the, the living being of Jesus Christ within their heart because they've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Those are the ones that are saved. Those are the ones that in all of this stuff going on, you're going to be able to say, that's, you know what, whatever God does, God wins in the end. We're going to get to talk about all of those things. And I know there's much talk about being pre-trib, post-trib, tribulation, a-trib, all of those things. Eric is going to be addressing that here pretty soon coming up as well. So all of these things are very much in understanding but the great part of it is, as a Christian, as one who has Jesus Christ living in our lives, we're the ones that know that in the end, we will be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and God always wins. Thank you. Then I look, let's go to Revelation 14, the next slide, please. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. It's right there in that verse. So those are the ones covered. But another reference to those who are sealed with God's mark. Again, the numbers are symbolic, as is the pictures, the beasts, the colors, the descriptions of different beings. All of those symbolic things mean something. And on Wednesday nights, we're going to get to look at those and talk a little bit more about them because that's a lot of, it's a lot of very interesting thing. And if you're a, a college student going through Bible college at a very late age, like at 53, I think I was, uh, you, you, yeah, which is crazy, by the way. So, but you, you find out real quick that you start to get lost in the research, but... Every time you do the research and you open it up and you look a little bit closer, you realize how God really is closest to each heart that he has um, created. Let's go to the next slide. The seven angels with the seven plagues. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them... 
the wrath of God is finished. Beloved, this is the description of the beginning of the bowls of God's wrath. Start with, they start with letting us know that these last seven are the end of his wrath, and the end of his wrath is very near. But the great part, the restoration of all things is on the way. You see, even in the parts of understanding that God's wrath will be poured out on the earth, for the simple reason of letting people know that his judgment still is true, the restoration of all things is on the way. God wins in the end. Next slide. These are the seven bowls of God's wrath. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple. Is that the one I just, no. Then I heard the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Each bowl has a different wrath described in a different way to um, accomplish a different purpose. And in each one of those bowls, we're going to get to look at them and say to ourselves, why would God do this? But then once we see how, what they are, and what he does with them, we will begin to understand a little bit better why God does what he does. Because then it says in verse, verse 16, as he's getting ready to put all of these angels together to get ready with these seven bowls, he says, and they assembled them at a place in Hebrew called Armageddon. And you're going to find out a whole lot of what Armageddon means more than just a total explosion into the world, blowing everything up and, yeah, nothing good. It's, this is a reminder, though, to us as well that nothing can happen on earth, good or bad, without God's permission. See, none of this stuff can take place until God gets it ready. A few weeks ago, Pastor Eric was talking about Daniel when he saw some of the same visions that John saw. And Daniel was told, roll those scrolls up, seal it up until the proper time. And then yet now, when John is seeing these exact same, some of these exact same um, visions, he's saying, hey, now I want you to write it down and tell everybody. The time is near. It's getting closer at hand. And that's the great part of it. And then again, in the next slide, you'll see that he says, then I heard a voice say, come, and I will show you <laughs> the judgment of the great prostitute. That connotation shows you that there is one that God considers the great prostitute. What we want to do is find out who, what, when, why, how, where, all of those fun things about this. And it's very interesting because in the next slide you'll see, go ahead, next slide, this calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads and the seven mountains on her, which the woman is seated. You're going to find out all of those things are. And the woman you saw is. And if you want to find that out, you've got to come on Wednesday, but I'm not going to tell you right now. Eric told me to do that. We will be talking about who the woman is and everything else. I like, love when I can blame it. You know, it's kind of like in the military. You can always blame somewhere up there, you know, higher up. That's how that works. Let's go to slide 18. Oh, good. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. The fun part about this angel was this angel's coming down to make his announcements. He says, fallen, fallen. He's screaming out, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. 
as we look to these verses, we get to understand a bit more of the fall of Babylon. Babylon has a lot of symbolism in this book for, for multiple reasons. And I, I'm sure that many of us who lived through the days of Saddam Hussein when he wanted to claim that Babylon was going to take over the world, that didn't work out so well for him. Anyway, that completes the preview of 13 chapters. Like Eric said, they're the trailers. I gave you just a little bit of tidbits there. Each Wednesday evening, now at 7 p.m., starting this Wednesday, we're going to start with chapter 6, and we're going to go on from there, okay, to take a closer look. I'll be sharing my own research as well as some of the views of some of the other people that I've learned some of these things, men that were just well-meaning, scholarly, amazing people. But right now, I'd like to look at chapter 12 just a little bit more because I would like for us to understand something about the great battle. So before we move to the next slide, I just want you to know, in the middle of chapter 12, it says, and there was a rose in heaven, a great battle. There was a cosmic war going on. There was a war that was going to change the, just all of history for all of mankind. And this war was taking place in heaven between Michael the archangel of God and Satan and his angels. And then we're going to hear a little bit more about what happened there. So we're going to be, I'm going to start with, I, sometimes I think that we, go ahead and go to the next slide. I, sometimes I believe that we, um, we kind of jump in, in where we made the divisions of our chapters in our Bible. In the second century, when they started to divide these up, they, just, they looked at them, they read through the scripts, because remember, when this was written, it was just a big, long, single scroll. It was just John writing as fast as he possibly could. And then in the second century, some people came along and said, hey, we need to make this easier for us to read, and they began to make these divisions and split it up. So if you go through and you look at how um, in chapter 11, in your Bible, you can do this later on tonight, at the end of chapter 11, the last verse is verse 19. And it says, um, the Ark of the Covenant, the, God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within his temple. Do we have any Indiana Jones fans here? <laughs> ah, so when I said Ark of the Covenant, you all knew what I was talking about. So, so let's, let's, let me just say, once again, we get to see a glimpse inside of heaven. Much like the last two weeks with Pastor Eric when he was talking about when heaven opened its doors and you got to see inside the throne room. And then we got to see the lamb seated on the throne. Once again, we get to see in that when it was opened. And then here's the thing. The Ark of the Covenant is there. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is basically a box that's around 10 or to 12 feet long, um, three cubits, 18 times, whatever that is, one and a half, one and a half, four and a half feet wide. And then you get to find out that it, when it was opened, there were flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. See, the Ark of the Covenant was the place where that when Moses came down for the mountain. And he had the tablets after they got destroyed the first time. He has the second set. And God said, build yourself an ark that's going to hold these tablets. And so Moses did. They, they built this ark of the covenant. Now what was interesting was only the tribe of Levi who was set aside in Deuteronomy 10. They were the ones who were set aside to be able to carry 
and deal with the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant was considered the most holy place. Every time that the Israelites moved somewhere, the Ark of the Covenant was set down, the, temple, the tent was built over it, and that became a temple for God. Now, the first time we see when it was built in Deuteronomy 10, then the last time we see it is in 2 Chronicles 35, 3, when it is placed in Solomon's temple. Now, well, except where Indiana Jones found it in the well of the souls underneath, you know, you guys know the story. So the interesting part is, and the movie did, I liked how the movie did portray the power of God, what happens when you mess with it. Because that's, that's pretty much... Yeah, it can melt your face off if it decides to. So, sorry, that was, I'll give you that one for free. I won't even charge you for that one. Okay, then let's go. <laughs> we have a lot of Indiana Jones fans in here. That's good news. Um, so, let's go to the next slide. And a great sign appeared in heaven, the woman that was clothed with the sun. And she was pregnant and crying out in birth pangs. See, her brightness is a reflection of being God's chosen one. We see that in the book of Luke that she is the faithful remnant of Israel. Mary is chosen because she's first, she's a virgin, but she is pure, she was whole. And when God gave her her mission, the first thing she said, may it be done to me as the Lord wishes. You know, she didn't remember. She didn't even argue or anything. She just said, oh, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, that's, that's what I will do. And so that's what happened. So that's one interpretation of, of, of this woman that's clothed in the sun. Another one is that she was one that was getting ready to, to uh, she was representing not just the church, but the people of Israel because they were chosen by God in the Melchizedek priesthood. So when, when they were chosen by God, he himself had made sure that they were doing that. And she is a remnant of Israel. They are saying that she represents all of Israel. And she also represents the church. So there are different interpretations. We're going to talk about some of that stuff on Wednesday nights when we get there. And it says she was crying out in birth pangs. Of course she was. She's getting ready to give birth to the ruler of nations, it says right there in verse 2. If she's getting ready to give birth to the Holy Son of God, the one who is going to hold God's power, the one who came from the throne with the sole purpose of the salvation of mankind. Somebody is going to be worried about that. That's going to bother someone. And it did. Because in Revelation 12, 3, go ahead and go to the next slide. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. And he had seven heads ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Great red dragon, John refers to later as the devil, the deceiver of the brethren, Satan. And as he describes what he sees with the seven heads, he's talking about the number of seven being, remember we've talked, Pastor Eric has talked about this before, seven being the number of Completion, very good. And it also means that he has some kind of authority because he's got the, he's got the seven heads. The ten horns, horns are a power, a, a sign of strength. It, it's, it's a symbol of strength. And according to Martin Luther, even in 1517, when he wrote the, the Wittenberg letter on the church door and totally changed all of church history, 
He says, on earth there is not his equal when he's talking about Satan himself. Because he is strong. The ten horns, the strength. He has the strength. He is strong and only the spirit of God can defeat him. Please don't ever try to take him on by yourself. The Bible and the book of Acts, you can read examples of guys who decided that they were going to talk about the spirits and the spirits just said to them, look, Peter, we know and Paul, we know, but you, we don't, and they wipes them out. And so only way that the devil can be defeated is by the spirit of God who is going to take care of this. And the seven diadem shows that this guy has wealth, that he's got many earthly riches, and then by the sweeping of his tail, and pulling out stars from heaven, which are the angels, means that he does have influence. He does have influence. And we can see the influence of the Satan today, can't we? Just turn your television on for 10 minutes. And it doesn't matter what channel. Just pick one. And it's there. So now let's go to the next slide. Now a war rose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. And the great dragon was thrown down. <laughs> John, I think, likes the phrase, the devil was thrown down. Because in one chapter alone, it's five times he says it. And the devil was thrown down. He goes on a little bit. There. And the devil was thrown down. Oh, and by the way, the devil was thrown down. He does not have any power against God and his angels. Greater is he that is in you than it is in the world. If you ever think that the devil's coming after me, I'm scared, I'm worried. I'm dead. If there's a dark place where you think that he can come at you, you start claiming the name of Jesus, crying out in his name and praying to God the Father. And guess what? He has to flee. Amen? Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Amen? Thank you very much, because here's the thing, people, that we have to get in our heads. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. There should be no fear in us. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and sound mind. He gave us the power to be able to handle anything on this earth, if but we would trust him. He gave us the power to be able to take on the nastiness from doctors' reports that come in. I love doctors. It's not against the doctors, but when they make that phone call and they call you and then your whole face, your life changes in one moment because of that phone call. Guess what? Jesus is standing there beside you ready to hold you on to you while you're going through this. And some of you know my testimony in that back row right back there on July 8th in 2018 when you all stood around and prayed for me and then three days later the doctor was amazed that that hole that was in my side was getting all closed up. And he asked me, he said, what did you do? <laughs> well, I, I didn't do nothing. I just prayed and God did the rest. You know, that's what I told him. So you see and understand that in light of anything that happens on this earth, it is the Holy Spirit that can handle it. It is never us on ourselves. It is only by the way that we reach out to who God is and what he can do. As long as we reach out and touch him, <laughs> reach out and touch him. Anyway, we realize and understand that God is above all. That God is the strongest. He doesn't lose. He wins. When you get to the end of this book, you'll find out real quick. He, ends. He, he wins. 
Sometimes I try to get people to do something. Take a little sticky note and put it on a mirror in your room, put it in a little magnet on your refrigerator, whatever. In the end, God wins. Whatever you're facing today, financial stuff comes up. Whatever you're facing today, whatever they do, and if you have children, stuff's going to come up. And for those of you that have very young babies, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> stuff's coming. But guess what? God's in control and he can handle it. When the Savior of all humanity, who is Jesus the Messiah, comes in, then we get to verse 12. Rejoice, <laughs> O heavens, and you who dwell in them. He's talking about as a Christian. Rejoice as a Christian. But then he says, but woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Family, when we're going through tough times, has there ever been a moment when you're saying, God, why is this happening? Why are you doing this to me? You don't have to shake your heads because I already know you all did it. But then, please realize it's the good part because it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's what you're doing right. You see, the devil's not going to come after those who are in the gutter down drunk, who are stealing people and robbing and doing all of the things that he's, he's, he's talked them into doing. He's not doing that. He doesn't care about them. But when you have a life that's dedicated to the testimony of Jesus Christ, and we're going to find out in just a second how powerful that is, when you have a person who's dedicated to Jesus Christ, who has a testimony of him in their life, and is the one who's able to proclaim that to whoever he sees, knows, hears, is around, or anything, and people can see the light of Christ coming through you, that's what makes him nervous. He doesn't like that. He knows his time is short. He knows he has a little bit of time to stop you from doing whatever it is that God wants you to do. And he's going to do that. He's going to try real hard. Please understand, he's going to come after you whenever he can to stop you, discourage you, and everything. His greatest demon of discour is discouragement. Because if he can discourage you, accuse you, and make you think that you are not worthy, not good enough, not bright enough, not smart enough, not good-looking enough, not all of us can be as good-looking as Bill. So you're just going to have to be calm and realize that when these things happen in your life, it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing it right. And there are times when I think, man, I am so tired of the pain that I have to go through with the migraines and all the dumb things. And I was lifting a big giant bag of four hamburger buns and fell down against a building and tore eight muscles in my shoulder. Okay, so what? The hamburger buns were this big. What can I tell you? So here's, <laughs> but I get tired of the pain sometimes. And I have to keep telling myself, Bill, remember, this pain you're going through is nothing. It's not going to stop me from preaching the word. It's not going to stop me from playing my guitar and doing all the things I do. Because when the discouragement starts to attack and come and I get these, these thoughts in my head that you're never going to be good enough, it's because I'm doing something right. So dear family, 
every single one of us here who have claimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have a testimony that counts. It counts not only between you and God, but it counts between you and another one who, has, who needs to hear your story. Don't pack your story up and stow it away because you think it's too bad. God can't use me. I've gone too far over the edge. If God can make, <laughs> if God can make something good out of some of the people that I know and see, and you're looking at him, God can help anybody. He's a God of U-turns. He will always allow you to come back. There is nothing you have done or can do that he's not going to allow you to come back. And then once you do come back, once you get well, once you come back and you see, guess what? Then it's your responsibility. And I hate to use that word on you, but it's your privilege more than responsibility to share. Because a neighbor, a colleague, a student, a coworker, a family member, somebody else is going through the same thing that needs to hear from you. And guess what? You may be the only one that can help them understand the power of God in their own lives. My grandpa used to tell me, just remember, Bill, he used to call me Little Bill. That's <laughs> when I was little. He used to say, Little Bill, here's the thing. Remember this, that the only way that God is going to use somebody is you may be the only Bible that people ever read. It's not by what you say, what you proclaim, or what you sing about, or anything else, but it's by who you are and what you do. So when we're giving a testimony, or we're all of a sudden, these people are saying, wow, I've noticed that Bill's doing this, Bill's doing that, you know, he's such a good guy, and you're thinking to yourself, I didn't know I did all that stuff. Or somebody will say, I loved what you said in a prayer or when you were singing or loved what you said. And I'm thinking to myself, that's good because I don't even know what I said. And the reason that I don't is because sometimes I just say, God, I don't know what to say this morning. I don't know what you want me to say to everybody. Please speak through me. There may be that magical moment in your life when all of a sudden there's a chance encounter with a friend or a colleague that, a colleague that you know is hurting a family member, somebody is hurting bad. And all you can say to them is, I don't know, I have no idea how hard it is to do what you're doing, but I know that I'm hurting because you're hurting, and I want to be here with you while you're going through it. If we just need to stand somebody, sometimes you don't even need to use words to be a blessing to someone, and that's what we need to get to. So please know, as we finish this up, so let's go to the next slide. Slide number 23. This is from Revelation 12.10. And I heard in a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. If you want to know why as Christians we are in constant spiritual battles, it is because as Christians we have, who have declared and given our lives to Jesus Christ, we belong to Almighty God who threw down the devil and his angels. And the last slide. They have conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
they loved their lives, they not, they, for they loved not their lives even unto death. And their word of their testimony. They have conquered by the blood of the Lamb. If you want to conquer, share this. When I see this, every time I see this verse, every time that we share a testimony of God's provision and power in our lives, we conquer a little bit more. If you want to feel more confident and more conquering in your life, keep sharing your testimony. And it doesn't have to be a dissertation. It doesn't have to be a half an hour long. It could be something as simple as God answered my prayers today so amazingly and I am so grateful to him. Then let somebody else say, oh yeah, really, how did he do that? And then go ahead, get them. Let them have it. Say, because the almighty power of God stood up and stood up for me and he did this in such a mighty way that now I know that he is real and bigger than ever. God has given all power, authority, and might to his son, Jesus. As he is our savior, we are more than conquerors. So my blessing to you this day. Take heart, child of God. There is hope in the name of the Lord. There is strength in the name of the Lord. And one day we will be with him and we will see him. And we shall be like him. That's amazing to us. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. Because if we don't remember anything else, beloved, please remember this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are more than conquerors by the word of your testimony. The blood of the lamb covered us. Sins are forgiven. The heaven is open for us to walk through. <clears throat> but because of who is in you, you are more than conquerors. Starting this Wednesday, we're going to be starting the Bible studies as we open chapter 6. Like I said before, today I, I unleashed a fire hose at you. If you would like completed outlines for all of the 13 chapters that, that go in this book, they will be available at the end of the service in the back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this amazing book of promise. We thank you, Lord, that you're trying to help us to understand all of the promises that are in there that you gave us. Some of us sometimes will say, I don't believe this, I don't believe that. It's hard for me to understand and believe this or that. Father, all we that we can pray then is this. Please help our unbelief. Help us to see and know you more. Father, help us to realize that if we want to really fight the battle against the devil, the best armament we have is to get on our knees and call down the forces of heaven. Those same forces who threw the devil down are available to every one of us, and for that we are so grateful, O oh God. We ask for your blessings on this day. And Father, as always, if there's anybody here in this room who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, may they do so today.
not leave this place without knowing who he is and what he can do for them. And we thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Before the worship team starts, if I can just get a couple people up front, if you have things that you want prayer for, if you realize some of the battle has been hard for you and things are tough, I'm going to have Pastor Jeff and Pastor Eric available to come and pray. Um, Dee and Randy, if you guys, if you see people coming up and you want to be up prayer too, but, but the main thing is this. If you need to find Jesus, if you're here today and you don't know him, don't leave today without it. If there's just something in your life that you need prayer for, please come up and our pastors will pray with you. I love you all dearly. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we're calling an audible here. Um, I, I love sometimes just getting to sit back and listen to God's word unpacked by someone else because all of a sudden you start seeing things that I know that today was probably overwhelming for many of us. In some ways, it was probably frustrating to skip over things. You're like, but I want to know about that. I want to know about that. And having him go, come on Wednesday. It's like, stop saying that. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to getting to unpack some of these things. But here are a couple of things that when you get to step back and see the forest from the trees, some of the things that I heard today that made more sense. Um, first, and, and, and this is really, I'm just going to kind of start in chapter 13 because you get this picture in chapter 4 and 5 of the Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is the one who created the world and holds it together by the power of his will. The Son is the one through whom he has his will carried out, and the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers the Son. Well, in chapters 12 and 13, we get introduced to an unholy trinity, right. the dragon, who tries to make war against the Father and fails every single time he Amen. tries. Amen. And the beast from the sea, his false messiah, and we're going to get to unpack what, what does that mean. And then you have the beast from the earth who is like the Holy Spirit that points to the beast from the earth and says, worship him, take his number upon you. In chapter 14, right on the heels of that, we see that instead of the mark of the beast on our foreheads, those who identify with and take the name of their father and of the son, we are the ones who... So, so you, you start seeing that our enemy likes to just pretend that he is Absolutely. God, right? He likes Absolutely. to try to, to parrot what he sees. But here's the point that I love that Bill chose to end in chapter 12, because in chapter 12, it reminds us of what the book of Revelation is for. It is less about a blueprint for how is it all going to work out and what chapter of Revelation do we find ourselves in today. The letter of Revelation is a reminder to people living in the first century and people living in the 22nd or 21st exactly. century. Which one are we in? That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. First century and 21st century. It is a book about discipleship. What does it mean to live as a citizen of the King of God or the Kingdom of Heaven in a world where we have an enemy who is looking to thwart us? And what we saw in chapter 12, which is why Bill said this is the center post of the entire book of Revelation. In chapter 12, we are reminded that we live in a war, in a war zone. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, living between 
the D-Day of Jesus' first coming and the V-Day of his second coming, living in enemy-occupied territory. And because our enemy, every time he's attacked God directly, has failed, well, he's lashing out in the only way that he can, by making war against God's image bearers, his kids. When he can't take down the father, he goes after the kids in order to hurt the father. And that's what we see in chapter 12 as a reminder that he is making war on every single one of us who call upon the name of the Lord and identify with him. You guys are living in a war zone, and so am I. And I don't know about you, but over the last, what, month, two months, we have experienced this. Every single person on our staff has experienced what it feels like to live in a war zone. But as you were sharing, the, the, the verse that came to mind is the very end of Ephesians. Many of you know this. Because in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about what does it mean to live in this war zone and what is our job in this battle. And the point he makes is this. You have one job and one job only. To stand against the attack of the enemy. To stand because Jesus is ultimately the one that will be victorious over the enemy. He's the one who will break his back. But our job is to stand against the attack of the enemy. And how do we stand? He, he begins to go through the armor of God. I'm not going to go bit by bit and explain what they are, but he, he talks about the helmet of our salvation, our identification with him, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that we can kind of cut up his attacks and, and parry them, just like Jesus did when he was tempted by the enemy. And, and, and our shield of faith, that we, we don't just hide behind our own shield, but like a phalanx, we hide behind one another's shield, which is why it's so incredibly yeah. important that we do life together. And all of those pieces of armor are to stand against the attack of an enemy who wants to take us down and dishearten us. But there is one primary offensive weapon, and this is the weapon that Bill was just referring to. And this is the reason why I decided I couldn't wait till the end to come up and share this, because I want to give us context for what he's inviting us into. The only primary offensive weapon that we have is prayer. Amen. He says at the end of this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. If the armor of God is like the, the armor that, that those uh, people in the Ukraine are using right now as they're in a foxhole hiding from the, the, the armaments that are being shot at them, prayer is like our field phone that we use to call in an airstrike from, from someone who is far more powerful and far more capable of taking the fight to the enemy. If you're overwhelmed, remember that the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And if you are overwhelmed and you're, the, the obstacles and the, the, the battle you are fighting right now is bigger than you can handle, welcome to the club. But we have the ability to come to our Father in prayer and just say, I need you. Lord, I need you so badly right now. And so we want to join you in that. That was a long way of saying we want to pray with you. If you are carrying something in right with you right now that is bigger than you can handle or someone in your family or someone you care about is carrying something that's bigger than them, please let us know because we want to pray with you. So Dean and Connie, I'd love for you guys to be up here. I'm going to be over here. Jeff's in the back. Uh, my elders and their, their wives, please just scatter yourselves around the room. We want to be available to pray. And let's respond to a God who's bigger Amen. than the enemy that we face. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded. 
but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And I believe you've overcome, and I will lift my song of praise for all you've done. This, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my There's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and the blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battles Let's sing that again There's a table that you've prepared for me the presence of my enemies. It's your body and the blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. And I believe. And I believe you've overcome. And I will lift my song of praise for all you
surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Did you guys have fun today? Hey, can we just say thank you to Bill? I mean, what, what I asked him to do is not easy, and I want you to know that what you got is just the tiniest taste of this man has been waking up in the middle of the night and spending time in God's Word in early mornings. I, he, he comes in. He loves this letter because he finds so much encouragement in it. And what's been so wonderful for me is this has been a letter that I've been afraid of as a pastor. I've avoided it. And I'm so grateful that we get to dig into it. And I'm grateful for his expertise. And, and I'm grateful for the ways that over the next several months, he's going to slowly unpack this section that you just got a taste of today. And for some of you, it was overwhelming. And you're like, done. For others of you, you're going, dude, that was not enough. I want more. And if that's the case, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., either here or online at lighthousecommunity.com, and you can join us in this conversation. Welcome you to come back. Again, for those of you who are trying to take notes and follow along, there's the packets in the back, but they're only going to really start making sense as he begins to unpack them. Otherwise, you know, you're welcome to take them, but they're only going to really come into making mo most sense on Wednesday nights. And then next week, for those of you who just felt like you drank from a fire hose and you're feeling a little overwhelmed, next week we are going to cover only 10 verses. So we will slow back down as we get to the end, as we've been talking about how we fight our battles in prayer, and taking authority over an enemy who seems overwhelming until you realize that the one who we call Father, who hears our prayers, is so much greater than the one that we fear, that we don't have to be afraid of him. We just need to be aware of the ways that he works. But next week, we get to see the end of the battle and the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I got to tell you guys, I'm excited because it makes, it begins to make other parts of scripture that we've read make so much more sense. And so I can't wait to get to start unpacking that with you next week. But right now, I just want to pray over us one last time as we head out of here. Father God, Thank you that we get to be family. Thank you that we are citizens of the kingdom of God living in the midst of a world that's hurting, in the midst of a world that's fearful. Thank, thank you that because you are with us, we don't have to be afraid. Thank you that you give us the ability to take authority over an enemy who just wants to distract and distort and accuse and shame and guilt. And we pray, Father, that you would expose his petty battle tactics so that we can rest in you. I am grateful that we imperfect people, we prodigals, get to come home that much. And so now as we go out of here, a family, I pray that we would recognize we're entering our mission field. That it, it, we, the church, are now heading out, and so I pray that you would give us the eyes to see where, where you're already moving and how we can join you in that. Help yourself to us, Jesus, in your holy name.
Amen. Guys, I love you. If, you. if you have connection cards or you have questions or offering, you can drop them in the white boxes. If you, have, if you are at home, you can email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. Have a wonderful week.